Hello and welcome to the Armenian News Network Rung Week in Review. This show was recorded on Monday, October 25, 2021. I'm Asbet Bedrosian, and together with Hovik Manucharyan, this week we're going to talk about the following major topics. Yerevan's positive messages, opposition going back to the street rallies, ruling party setbacks in local elections, Vano Siraderian dies. And uh, today we have with us Tevan Pogosian to talk about these issues. Tevan is president of the International Center for Human Development. Uh, Mr. Pogosian was an MP in the National Assembly between 2012 and 2017 from the Heritage Party. And from 1997 to 1999, he served as Nagorno-Karabakh's public affairs office director in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome back to our show, Tevan. Hello, Tevan. Hi, everyone. So to begin with, let's uh, talk about these um, positive messages, in quotes, of course, to Baku. On Wednesday, Armenian Deputy PM Meher Gevorkian's team again met with senior officials from Azerbaijan and Russia for negotiations towards restoring their rail and road links, as stipulated in point nine of the November agreement that ended the hostilities of the 44-day war. Grigorian said that progress was made, while Azerbaijan's Foreign Minister Jehun Bayramov said that there were positive messages coming from Yerevan. Aliyev actually went further to claim that Armenia has agreed to the so-called, quote, Zangizur Corridor, unquote. Also, Azerbaijan released five more Armenian soldiers taken prisoner during or shortly after last year's war in Nagorno-Karabakh. Then, on Friday, October 22, Tatul Hakupian from Alik Media, as well as the Russian news medium Ria Novosti, reported that Aliyev and Pashinyan will meet in Moscow on November 9, the one-year anniversary of the capitulation in Artsakh, in order to sign two new documents under the mediation of Vladimir Putin. According to the reports, the two documents are the first document, It will cover the delimitation and demarcation of Armenia-Azerbaijan border. Hakopian claims that the delimitation and demarcation will be done based on the 1920s maps, which is uh, an interesting factoid out of this uh, news report. And the second document, which Hakopian claims is nearly 100% agreed upon, will cover the so-called unblocking of roads and corridors. To add to that, Armenia's government has been expressly quiet and has not responded to many of the press inquiries about these statements, with the exception of stating that a meeting with Pashinyan and Aliyev is, quote, not being planned, unquote. And sorry for my excessive use of quotes, but I just want to make sure to get the right point across. So Kremlin's Peskov, who is Putin's spokesperson, also responded to the news uh, of the possible agreement by saying, if such an agreement is reached, we will inform in due time. Very reassuring. Okay, so Tevan, what is your interpretation of what's going on? Is there, in your opinion, a consensus on documents to be signed on November 9? Or is there more than meets the eye here? And there may, maybe there's some public gesturing going on. You know, we're talking about something which is truly unknown. And you can put any guess on anything. Because whenever you're saying positive steps, it's always coming like positive for whom? The first question. <laughs> Yeah. Who make that assessment that it's positive or not positive? Where is the real scaling of or gradation of the checking? Uh, how much positive? Is it positive only for 3% for Armenians? Is it positive 97% for Azerbaijanis? Is it positive for, I don't know, something for uh, 100% for Turkey? or it's positive for Russia, or it's positive for United States, or it's positive for China or Iran, I don't know. We're talking about something which is in reality, for me, should be compared 
to something which is called like Armenian positivity versus Azerbaijani positivity. Mm-hmm. Now, when Azerbaijan is saying something positive, do they uh, feel ever that they change as a nation, as a, their thinking and their think that to their previous policies, like anything which is bad for Armenia is good for Azerbaijan? I don't think so that there is any change. That's why whenever Azerbaijan, anyone is saying they are see the positive steps, it means it's really bad for Armenian interest. Yeah. This is their uh, inclination because I haven't been seeing that, for example, Azerbaijan has changed their uh, armenophobic policy, that Azerbaijan returned back all prisoners of war, that Azerbaijan said that we're recognizing the right of Artsakh for uh, self-determination. That's why I'm calling and recognizing Artsakh Republic and saying that let's come and negotiate on something how we'll be living in the future. Uh, I didn't see that, for example, oh, okay, guys, if we're opening up the communications uh, in the region, then let's just simply open up them and not going with the points, uh, talking about uh, something in the terms of corridor. Or, for example, I will, uh, you remember a few months ago, I told you that, like, uh, we would uh, use our so-called ferrum uh, hand to hit your head again. Uh, it was a mistake. Uh, I'm really sorry. I'm yeah, in fist, love with all Armenians. <laughs> yes, or something like this. You're like all these parts of not taking place. And then there is the information that, oh, we, Armenia is doing something positive. And that's why uh, we see there's some progress. When Armenian, even today, government saying some progress there, I'm also in a suspicion. Because I didn't see in Armenian, for example, today's acting government policy, any discussion that they recognizing that there isn't such entity as Artsakh Republic. They're not using it. They are not right. visiting Artsakh Republic. They are not uh, speaking on the points of the like that Artsakh Republic has an occupied territories and we need to discuss it. Mm-hmm. They are not helping Artsakh Republic to present their cases. And for example, the latest stuff that we also can notice that there's a one very important institution in Armenia who starting for at least for the one year ago, if I will not even go to the something else, to producing fantastic documentations that Armenian government should use with the international community to show what's really Azerbaijan done. I'm talking about the Human Rights Defender Office. Right, that's right. And instead of that, we're seeing that, for example, uh, Armenian government now assessing that, you know, he's a problematic person and it's good that there are only a few months remain there. And they're starting to... Within this environment, what positive should we talk? That's why it's always coming to the issue, like when I'm saying positive, positive for whom? Positive in a which scale? On how percent? Is it positive only 50-50 for us? Then what is this discussion? Well, there's a deep lack of trust in what the government is doing. I mean, when they say that Azerbaijan has released five POWs, we would like to celebrate and be happy about that, but we can't because we're not sure what the government is doing and what it has compromised on the other side because 
there's not enough news as to what these discussions and these negotiations are trying to achieve, right? Uh, you are uh, 100% correct, as I've been always saying, that for any prisoners which is returned back to Armenia, Armenia pay price. It could be money, it could be territory, it could be something compromising, it could be something, but there is a price. Absolutely. And until you are not knows what is the price, we cannot uh, talk about something serious. Like the only one that I can really make assessment is following that we know that for returning 15 few months ago, Armenia passed the map. Now, if we are asking the experts of what is this map costing meaning in reality for Azerbaijan, the experts will tell you like the price is about 100 million that Azerbaijan would spend and it's about 10 years would demand from Azerbaijan to clean up that region out of the mine. Mm -hmm. Now, I can say that the price for us is 15 lives. I'm not going something else uh, to say, but for Azerbaijan, it's meaning that they get something. Uh, which is cost $100 million uh, expenses and plus 10 years of time. Is it less? Is it equal? Is it worse change? Is it correct? Is the all issues over which if we will not be really trying in the future to pay out our policy based on the real evidences, we would be always discussing such issues. Oh, see, like we see the positive steps, but I don't know when Azerbaijani Minister of Foreign Affairs saying positive steps for Armenia, what's really mean for Armenia and that. And that's why it's really a lack of untrusty situation. It's really the situation which is very uh, warning. And I think one very important issue, if the signature is put it there, it's meaning that we selling out our rights rights of our grandkids, rights of our children to take something. Now someone is deciding for the kids without understanding what kind of a consequences it would bring. For example, if I'm opening up my diplomatic relationship with the country which is enemy, uh, has been really enemy and previously keep with the enemy with this, I need to be ready for that. I need to uh, take proper legal uh, kind of a documentation. So I need to accept proper laws. I need to defend myself, not for at least trying not to allow that the enemy country would exercise its enemy policy against me. Right. Do we hear that we done any changes in our Armenian legal system before talking about let's open up the regional communication? We don't know which maps, we don't know which routes, we don't know what kind of a conditions. We just know one word, for example, corridor. Right. Now, let me compare to the situation, for example, at least, which is exist. There is a logic of Berzor Road, which is called Lachin Corridor, mm -hmm. which is controlled with Russians. And for example, I perfectly know that some diasporan Armenians are not anymore able to travel because they are rejected permission to enter there. Now, was it good to have this corridor or not? How will be keeping uh, our links with the uh, diaspora? Uh, how it would help uh, or how much it would hit uh, to relationship between diaspora to think about Artsakh if they are not visiting, if their kids are not able to visit and see something by their own eyes. Now, 
Uh, do have Armenia have anything uh, to use uh, kind of a, a rights in corridor? Uh, this is something which is already exist. Now I was said let's call it not corridor, but having the same situation, mm-hmm. and we have it in the document of November nine uh, on the ceasefire. There's a point that uh, Armenia would provide access between Nakhichevan and Azerbaijan and the roads would be controlled with the Russian uh, border services right? or FSB. I don't know uh, anything more than uh, after that to say that what is the content of this service. Does this mean that uh, Russian FSB would provide information to Armenians also who passed what car, what was the uh, uh, goods, uh, uh, names, uh, content, and so on. Or maybe they would say that, guys, it's it's not your uh, deal, it's uh, our relationship. And we, we can say that, and the name is not corridor. That's why corridor or not corridor, positive signs or not positive signs, I can talk when there is a, uh, I know, context. When I know what is there, right. the other stuff is just simply names over which we are perfectly manipulated and taking into the practice of three-year manipulations by this today's acting government, we can say that I don't expect anything positive uh, in reality. Would this document on November 9th uh, be signed? Would there be two documents or even four documents? Do they have really something in reality positive for Armenia? Or it's only purely pro-Azerbaijani document? Or it's purely uh, pro-Turkish document? No one knows and we will not be even able to know until the context is not released. And this is only the first step. Because one thing that if, when you know the context, the second point, how are you using that context? How are you utilizing this context? How are you really fulfilling? We perfectly know the even wording of November 9 document of 2020. Yes? Like on ceasefire. Yeah. There, there been a point over which they said that the military is stopping at the points where, where they are. Now, I remember what was the map on November 9 to 10, 2020. There is a one year past, and it should be the same points where the military forces should st- remain. Do we have that situation now? No. Or there not. was something on oral agreements. Okay, now what I can even say that after that, how it's fulfilled. That's why, guys, if there are so many questions over which the easiest solution which you, uh, one could uh, at least wish for its future generations, is at least, guys, not sign anything. Yeah. This should be the approach. Don't take out our rights for the passing something positive. Let's work on making, building up a new unity in the nation to think about yeah. uh, getting stronger and then we would exercise our rights right. but anything that you would sign it would kill the uh, rights not only for us now but also for the uh, upcoming generations of armenians uh, to live in their homeland you know the problem Tevan, is that we don't know exactly what they're discussing this is i guess i'm repeating myself but we have to deduce what they may be talking about from 
peripheral information. So for example, the fact that when everybody was talking about meetings, there were three different opinions. Armenians said, we are not going to be meeting in Moscow. Peskov said, uh, we will tell you when there is information. And Azerbaijan said, yes, we are going to be meeting in Moscow. So from this, you start deducing that they're probably discussing how to meet in Moscow. But none of the three parties have said anything about Artsakh. So it's almost very clear that nobody's discussing status situation. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and you know what is interesting? That how the information has been leaked. This is also a, a very unique message. Why yes. this per particular day? And I, as I remember, Tatul Hakopian has promised that within a few days he would try to get more information and even provide. Mm-hmm. I hope that Tatul would really uh, at least do that part for nation and as much as he would learn, he would also share because this from now on, this information is for everyone and maybe there is a need for the joint national some actions that we need to take. Because I don't know, would it be on November 9, November 10 or December 21 or even meeting in 2022 or I don't know when, but we perfectly need to uh, be sure what is there, and I said it as a context. And second, we need as a nation believe that even if there is something in the context written, we are really able to fulfill it to get something positive. Why is there so much secrecy around the negotiations? What is the purpose for the government to withhold so much information? That meaning that they're perfectly understanding that it's not uh, something perfect. Because imagine if in the context written, Armenia and Azerbaijan recognizing Nagorno-Karabakh Republic or Artsakh Republic within its borders. Do you think that, that any government would keep it secret? No, but there is no such point. Armenia and Azerbaijan jointly recognizing that Azerbaijan violated the all human rights and they need to pay uh, all the money, go out and uh, free the occupied territories. If there is a such point, do you think that the Armenian government will not inform us? Right, right. That's why I think that something is uh, there in a uh, problematic issues. And for me, it's not simply that information has been leaked specifically for uh, by the today's government issue. Because if I'm uh, not mistaken, the news agency which is operating in Georgia or uh, established in Georgia, they have a very good links with the United States. Maybe it's their sources or maybe it's other uh, sources who something learned which is not fully agreed with the policy that Russia pushing. Mm, yeah. In our region, we have a very, very difficult geopolitical situation and competitions. See, like US policy on 3 plus 3, they starting to initiate and talking and do something that 3 plus 3 situation or like Turkish proposal will not work. This is also a part. Oh, I'm not talking even about that Armenian interest is not at all represented in 3 plus 3 and we need to go for this, vice versa. But it's, there are other players whose interest is not also present there and they are knows how to defend their issues. The same way as Iran behavior in the recent late. I don't think that it has been Armenian desire or ability to organize that Iran would stand so strong for no changes of any other sovereignties or uh, border changes in the region. It has been in Iranian interest and they learned something that is going on and they stood it uh, for this right. Uh, 
I think uh, out of all these changes, we need to perfectly understand that it's not simply Armenia, Azerbaijan and Russia situation that we have now. It's, it's a situation which is you know, other players uh, trying to, uh, and unfortunately, I think the less prepared society for mm -hmm. facing this situation is Armenia one, uh, which meaning we are in a weakest position. And let's remember also the words of Vladimir Putin when after elections Pashinyan went to Moscow and he said that I'm congratulating you, you have now trust of your population and this is a time to take painful, painful and right. uh, hard, hard decisions. Difficult now, decisions uh, for Armenians. Yeah, sometimes words which is pronounced masses before could be the real opening keys to understand the situation now. Tevan, before moving on to the next topic, I think this is a very important key point in terms of other world powers. So uh, one of the things that Russia recently said is, uh, or Putin actually said himself, is that only Armenia, Azerbaijan and Russia are needed in order to solve the issue of at least delimitation and demarcation of maps. But I think he also meant the Armenia-Artsakh conflict. Uh, specifically, I think he was speaking at the Valdai Club and uh, to a, uh, in answer to a uh, Iranian journalist, he said that Russia or the you know Russian general staff holds maps from the Soviet times, which could be you know very helpful for determining how the border went you know mm -hmm. during the Soviet times. And what's interesting is that Alik Media, which you already mentioned, uh, just to be more detailed. Alik Media is controlled by uh, Arsen Kharatyan, who used to be Pashinyan's advisor, chief advisor, I believe. And he is strongly believed to be, I guess, the voice of the West. He's from the Western-funded NGO community, and he's, uh, he has strong ties to the West. So he's believed to be the voice of the West. You know, uh, we need to perfectly understand that the strongest countries in the world or established strong powers... They are perfectly knows how to push their interest. And definitely, yes, Russia has its own interest. Why we need uh, to just simply accept them. The same way as U.S. has. It's, I remember during the war, Trump said that, oh, you know, Karabakh conflict, it's easy. I can resolve it in a few seconds. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> or sometimes uh, friends uh, saying similar things. Or maybe others would wish to do. The most important issue is here how Armenian diplomacy could really take that in any solutions or in any geopolitical changes before the new status quo in the region would established, Armenia be able to keep up its interests, defend its interests and know how to make that any solutions for the next day is not on the price or is not on the sake of Armenia done. Because right. we perfectly see uh, that even 100 years ago, we have similar situation against solutions for the sake of our, uh, uh, on the price or uh, uh, taken out from Armenia solutions has been always there. The, we need to perfectly understand how to play now. And if uh, it's not the play to blame strong powers, but we need to understand how to play with them. And if we're not mm -hmm. understanding, the blame is only ours. Not blame Russia, not blame America, not blame France, not blame anyone. 
uh, Turkey and Azerbaijan perfectly saying that guys we your enemy we need to destroy it that's why I'm not blaming them with the any policy that they doing I need to blame me and finding where is my mistakes which I'm not able to defend myself even perfectly knows what they doing this is the point that's why I'm not even taking this on the point that you know Russia is doing something secretly definitely Russia will do something be it secret or not secretly only for the sake of uh, Russian interest not right. for the Armenian or Azerbaijan interest and they've been pretty transparent about that yeah that's why uh, let, let's think uh, and target real points over which we need to play not the others and uh, briefly, very briefly, before we go to the next topic, Tevan, I wanted to get um, at that Valdai club, you know, Putin made a reference to the Soviet maps and the general staff. I don't mean to speculate, but I must ask this question. You know, I, th- I think most of the most recent Soviet maps do exist. And uh, Tatul Halkopian's article mentioned that, you know, the delimitation and demarcation may be based on the 1920s maps. So if, if that is the case, could we assume that maybe Putin really did mean that actually and, and i've heard several different reports where you know the soviet general staff has maps that no one else has and they're not public uh, from the 1920s period that would be useful to solve the delimitation and demarcation if that is the case do you know what the big differences are between various time frames in the 1920s and you know what specifically is uh, made the arguments be about yeah, and the next the and the other set is the 1970s set okay see first of all i if there is existing 1920s maps or it 26 27 maybe soon because in reality armenia and uh, azerbaijan has been uh, sovietized in 1921 which meaning that any maps with the borders has been only after that try and uh, i don't think that the general uh, staff of the times maybe would keep such detailed maps as like uh, someone but the main difference is that armenia was bigger in 1920 and when i've been karabakh representative to the united states from the u.s congress library archives i took some maps of uh, that period just because it has been very interesting and they are available there when the whole Lachin uh, region is a part of Nagorno-Karabakh uh, Autonomous Oblast. Right. And Armenia and Karabakh has a joint border. Now, if this is the port, that imagine that you can get something back. If this is the maps, then uh, maybe it would be much better. And definitely, I don't know if uh, Russia was able to convince now Azerbaijan is going back to these maps demarcation lines then uh, something positive could be for Armenia. But this is the Not just Lachin, right? But also Kelbajar uh, was in part of Armenia. The, the territory is the fact that uh, there was a point over which, like Kelbajar and Lachin, how it has been divided later on, some part of this, some part of that uh, has been uh, coming and joining Armenia. There are maps even in the Library of Congress and then uh, like uh, anyone can go and check Karabakh uh, maps and various mm-hmm. times. And uh, honestly saying, they are also available on the internet now in uh, Facebooks and everywhere. You can find a thousand versions of the maps that uh, could be exist and uh, could be utilized. But we need to take seriously if today even Armenia on oral agreement has given the part which has been the Armenians of 1920, uh, which meaning that today's Armenian government are not 
even accepting uh, the latest maps, uh, which is in a favor of Azerbaijan. Right. And that's why Putin, besides of that, said that we need to use the maps, but we need to perfectly understand that you cannot now live with these maps and maybe something should be given from the other part, something should be added in the other places, which meaning that even changes with this should be in a proposal logic uh, existing. We pick up one sentence, forgetting about second sentence. And this is, for example, sometimes problematic on understanding that issues. But definitely, I don't believe that we would be having any success in this process with this government. Sorry. Now, All right. Uh, again, I'm saying that th there are something like this. And uh, maybe the logic of 1920s maps has been also specifically put it for Armenian nations that like guys uh, live a bit calmly, don't do anything. Uh, because something positive could be there. Where, if this is positive for Armenia, do you think that uh, Aliyev would say that he see, saw the positive steps from Armenians? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move to the next topic. Just prior to this weekend, the Armenia Alliance announced that it will begin organizing street protests against Pashinyan's government because they're making additional concessions to Azerbaijan in the negotiations we just talked about. The main parliamentary opposition group said that they believe that Prime Minister Pashinyan is ready to concede more Armenian territory and agree to a land corridor from Azerbaijan through Sunik and on to Nakhichevan. These claims are of course backed by Aliyev himself, who insists that he will open a quote-unquote corridor through Armenia by force if necessary, and by Iran, uh, who says that the agreements envision a potential change of the border between Iran and Armenia. So these rallies are already pretty late in the game before the news about the potential Moscow agreement that we just mentioned a few minutes ago on November 9 or whenever they're going to happen. So when the Armenia Alliance clarified the date of the first protests as November 9 and 10, there was widespread accusations that the Armenian opposition is actually intent on allowing Pashinyan to sign these terrible agreements without actually trying to thwart the government. To be fair, Ishan Saatelian, one of the leaders of the alliance, in one of his Facebook posts uh, had clarified that the alliance has sought his permissions to rally nearly 10 days ago. Teban, what do you think about the criticism of the Armenia alliance and what do you think about the effectiveness of these uh, expected protests? You know, everything should be judged on the following, guys. Are we in a situation if you will say that, guys, this is document bad for Armenian, then the whole Armenian nation would go to the street? I don't think so. Should opposition uh, defend Armenian interests as they are understanding? Yes. Uh, which which means to have uh, Armenian opposition in its hand. Parliamentary opposition, do they have the possibilities to stop anything by uh, uh, initiating some actions in parliament? No. Okay, then do we uh, having the other uh, non-parliamentary oppositions do they have any institutional place to go and raise their voice and be assured uh, that someone would hear them? No. No. Which meaning that, guys, we don't have any legal means besides of street movement. And that street movement uh, should always has been used by the Armenian political culture, starting from 95, 96, and always in the election time and always in the Armenian political life. This is not something new. It's one of the instruments which and anyone is trying to use that's why they proposing they would try that the most important thing that the message that if something signed now 
and specifically with not being ready for many issues, it would be much better utilized by our enemies and it would pave the roads towards Turkification of Armenia or Batumization or, I don't know, Vilayatization uh, on many, many issues until we are not ready for that and they would utilize it better. That's why let's stop and not sign, be it on November 9 or November 10. This is the point over which that message is clear. How to do this and would Armenian nation will go to the street to demand it? I don't know because elections June 20 shows that only 48% of people has been uh, really caring about Armenian uh, future mm -hmm. because participation in election, be it parliamentary or be it even local one, doesn't matter. It's it's a choice for the future, yes? We're going yeah. to elect future government. We're going to elect future program. We're going to elect future actions that should be done. Which meaning that about 800,000, yes, like about million people are not even caring. Now, right. I don't know, do they caring about uh, what's going on uh, with any documentation to sign? If not, then what I can say? Yeah. But as a policy or as a strategy or as a try from opposition, it definitely uh, should be there because they are, these people are concerned. These people are worried. These people are trying to do something. And as I will see, they're giving interviews, they're organizing roundtables, they're applying for allowing to do the meetings. They're talking about like the street and anything. This is in the legal structure of the Armenia. And I don't know why uh, people is concerned why these people is doing. They're trying to do the best, the other things how much we are uh, really uh, caring about our nation and what is my attitude towards situation uh, which I think now. That's why you can't blame them on anything. The other stuff is that uh, should be there and how I would be really taking and looking to future into this uh, situation. How I'm caring about my, my state, how I'm caring about my national state future from the point. Do I understand that I am as a citizen, is a citizen of the state? Or we just simply busy with like some, uh, our ethnic identity and saying that guys, until there's an, uh, something which is called the Republic of Armenia, it doesn't matter who is living there, it's enough for me. And I think it's not only them that need to raise, uh, well, how about the political part of the Armenian nation in diaspora? Why is then uh, they are not really raised voices uh, on these concerns? Mm -hmm. uh, because it's now everything public and the world is changed. We know anything which is happening in Armenia is also uh, very well known uh, in a few minutes in the whole diaspora. Well, of course, I agree that the opposition should be doing something about it. I'm just concerned about the level of effectiveness because after the 44-day war, there were widespread demonstrations. Before the June elections, there were demonstrations. But how effective have those been? Uh, uh, the opposition is still powerless, even in the parliament. Uh, I hope so that some changes is there. As you can see, the elections in the local government has shown a bit different results. But yes, yeah, I don't know if it's enough, but at least uh, how to check it, uh, how effective. Until they are, didn't try, no one can guess that. I hope that yeah. they also learn lessons 
of previously done emissions and maybe mistakes and hope so that they would take into account all the new possibilities uh, and go with much correct way. Let's talk about those elections for a minute. Yeah. Speaking of the elections for last Sunday, we covered it on our previous podcast, obviously. And the summary is that this was a setback for the civil contract, uh, which suffered losses in three of the major towns, Gyumri, Goris, and Meghari. But since the election in our podcast, the government has been run up and jailing dozens of re-elected Goris mayor Arush Arushanyan's supporters on charges of alleged bribery and vote buying. Arushanyan himself remains in jail since the, his arrest three months ago on pre-trial detention. Yet, um, he roundly defeated civil contract party, getting over 60% of the vote in, the, in Goris. At the risk of beating a dead horse, because we already covered this, as we said, and because Freedom House has already deplored Prime Minister Pashinyan's degradation of democratic norms, what are your thoughts about the current state of Armenia's democracy? For freedom of press, reporting on the government, to freedom of expression towards government officials, to terrorizing opposition officials and supporters, and more. You know, I think, at least if, if we would be having a statesman uh, in Armenia much more, it would be maybe a good idea for them to understand where we need to go. When we are saying Armenian democracy or the level of Armenian democracy, is it only election? How about the political culture of taking responsibilities for the outcomes? Is American democracy is only about election? Or, for example, if you uh, promise something that you didn't feel, you're resigning by yourself. You're not even waiting until someone will right. come and kick you off. Do we uh, seeing that how the human rights issues could be going on there? We're seeing that you know, some organizations internationally, which previously used to speak or make a statement when, for example, you know, one of the previous government guys has killed flu because the flu come and sit on his uh, plate with the meal saying that oh see like they are violating the rights of animals we think that how they are keeping silence which meaning that it's also logical that politicization of many issues previously which is not taking place now is talking about different things you doing once allowing that today's government will violate the role, uh, rules and laws you're not raising issues then they will do the next time now, should I only see that it's uh, because of the uh, today's personality on the chair of the prime minister or because also the international community many institutions didn't properly pay attention to the many violations that has been uh, done starting from 2018? They allow him. They done it. And he, he, is, he is the product of this. It's very politicized situation. It seems like there's an international consensus that Armenia should lose to this war. Mm -hmm. And now they're keeping up this part. Because do we have a proper elections even last time? No. Now I'm just trying to take the two numbers of the same Prinstik, like Goris. How many voters was registered for the June 20 there and how many registered was on the list for the local elections? Seems like the same city, same Goris, nothing else. But uh, we have a difference even in the numbers there. Do we need to raise these issues? But again, I think that don't be strange with anything. Right. With what the ruling uh, situation would be going on. And uh, in reality, let me say that we don't have democracy. Democracy started much more from the value system. And the value system is following 
We lost the war, we gone. We lost the battle, we gone. We uh, not fulfill our promises, we gone. This is a political culture of democracy that should be developing. Elections is just the instrument of something. Yes. Were you uh, talking about the voter lists in Goris, for example, not being uh, consistent? Yes, Hmm. yes. Plus the other things. And see, like, whatever the population should do, they done it. They went and voted. Mm -hmm. And we see the initial result. All other stuff is doing other institutions, which is delegated authority. Yeah. Now the courts should take a decision, but judge is saying no. Aru should sit in the jail. The police should not arrest the other guys if they don't have the evidence. Mm-hmm. Democracy is also that part, not only election part. The, the common people done their stuff. They went to election and prove it that they can raise the voices. The whole other uh, institutions which is running by the government is not allowing it. And you can see the situation in Gumri how it's played and we can see in many, many other places. Even such pro-government opposition which is newly developed by the previous two minister of uh, social affairs from Karabakh and Armenia, they even has uh, raised the voice uh, that they are not recognizing, for example, election results in Tech. Even such pro-Niko person as uh, Ionisian uh, raised his voice of what has been going on in Tech. Yeah. From Tech to Goris is only 15 to 20 minutes drive, uh, which I meaning it's very close to each other, and which meaning it's very, very similar uh, quality of people. Uh, do you think that uh, everything was perfect only in that? No, just the Gorists took their decision and mm-hmm. went to this place. And and this is the point over which we can say that now talking about democracy is even not uh, really correct. Freedom of speech, if you were asking me, honestly saying, remember how it has been like after Facebook appeared, how it has been when the other social networks appeared. It's not anymore depend on the people in the government, doesn't it? In the search times, you can find many statuses of the people really criticizing easily. No problem. You can find the same uh, now. With the media, similar situation. If uh, at the beginning of 80s, yes, the whole media has been much more controlled with the previous wealthy people or people in the previous governments, then we have so many new media outlets uh, operating now in Armenia that I don't even know who is belong to whom and do the government now have much more in the numbers than the previous guys? Yeah. TV situations, honestly, it's always depend on the way, like if the people is really uh, watching this TV and social networks life is now uh, really beaten up. Not many TV channels uh, is really anyone is paying attention to sit down and to watch them anymore. I think... Yeah, trust in this media is a big issue right now. That, that, there is a natural some uh, part which is coming uh, to the logical freedom of the speech, but it's also, uh, if you notice, uh, recently the government accepted the law over which we have even some uh, international organizations criticizing them on criminalizing situation. And as you can go ask the people who has been already taken to police, do they feel the freedom of speech? The ones who has many cases of the ones who has been called to go to visit police because of their some 
Facebook statuses. Right. Uh, ask these people that question. I think they are the right people to answer. Moving on to our last topic, um, on October 15, Wano Siradelian passed away. He was one of the leaders of the movement to unite Nagorno-Karabakh with Armenia in 1990 as the Soviet Union fell. And later, he was a member of the Armenian National Congress and became Minister of the Interior during the tenure of First President Levonder Bedrosian. He was regarded as a corrupt henchman for Der Bedrosian and fled the country in 1999, soon after Robert Kocharian was elected president and resided in exile ever since. He was a wanted man by the Republic of Armenia and sought after by the Interpol. Tevan, you were around in the 90s, obviously. What do you think is Siradelian's legacy? Oh, you know, first of all, I would say that traditionally there are some maybe national value or something like this, which is working permanently. Mm-hmm. My dear, you die, we will all love you. This phenomenon has all be present during this time because I can say that so many guys who start to raise the issues, ask them even about the literature legacy of Vano and how many times you read Vano, his literature even parts, not science. Uh, on the political life, all our leaders of that period has the controversy on many issues. But the point here is the following. We as a nation, do we one day would learn to respect our heroes, to understand what part we can really use for the educating next generations, and do we perfectly understand how to bring the respect in a society that our heroes would not turn into anti-heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Mano Seriadevian and all the guys from the Karabakh committee, they've been really uh, national heroes you know, with the unifying uh, like nation, raising up, making stood up, bringing this burst to the national revive for Karabakh and Artsakh and also yeah, independence. But uh, what was their behavior when they become state institution uh, runners? Do they manage properly? And we as a nation perfectly understand that maybe one or Siradevian shouldn't be ever appointed to any managerial position, mm-hmm. but remain maybe as a psychological leader motivator right. for the other young generations go and stand there or something. I think maybe we would have a totally different one. Of yeah, yeah. The same is reflecting to our military heroes. I think in reality, yes, Manuel Grigoyan was done a really a lot of heroic stuff. But do we has been caring and perfectly understanding what steps we should take that he will not turn into the marvel of the after the 2000s mm-hmm. yeah, like something like this we're not able to care about heroes and we don't know how to write and think this one we have this kind of a really controversy and unfortunately it was just used on another uh, let's say divisions in the nation right because when i'm seeing how one group is attacking on someone who is speaking positive about one or another one who is uh, writing something negative has been attacked by the other ones. Now, I don't think that one really by himself would wish that even his death would be another divisional point for something. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we need to just simply uh, learn how to respect Vano because of his literature, uh, Vano because of his motivation for the national inspiration, and maybe we need to understand how we need to really keep our calmness because of the of managerial position in the some state institutions, which is not really have the positive elements. And until we don't have the court decision, uh, we always say that the court decision is the final. Uh, the legal procedure is that if you need to clean up your name, you're going to the court. We're always saying that until there is no court decision, presumption of innocence should work. Now, I don't know if this value elements of democracy would ever uh, trade in our real life. But it seems, Teban, that there were, there were some answers we did not want to hear, and therefore we didn't want to ask some questions, right? Um, some say that if we were to have returned to Armenia and faced the charges and the court, then <laughs> probably Levon der Bedrosian would have had to flee Armenia. Why in 20 years of exile did he never return? And interestingly, on top of that, here's a wanted fugitive. He has passed away. How come the government that wanted him is now arranging the funeral for him? That is the inconsistency that I see as, uh, you know, illogical and not based on yes, interest yes. of the state. Uh, the, this is the point over which I'm saying one day we need to learn and finally make it our national approach, which is, would be a really good opportunity to make this procedural understanding mm -hmm. that guys if this is a real way of treatment then the treatment should be for everyone then the same mm -hmm. should be with the all other similar guys and doesn't matter do we like them or not uh, do we have the something then maybe uh, we'll uh, learn not to have utilizing this is from the different side this is the uh, right the point over which it's do the death has served to division or do the death should serve to understanding the mistakes of previous mm -hmm. times and maybe allowing us to find a new way? How many people somewhere is like once dying, doing a heroic things and another time doing a criminal things has been treated differently because of this or the other changes in the government? And I think uh, that th this should be stopped then maybe a lot of things would be but uh, from your point uh, but i perfectly understand that yes it's really unfortunate that vano is not with us because he could provide a lot of information uh, maybe not only positive but also negative stuff and historical but, clarifications uh, from another side who we are to decide instead of god who should live how long and uh, when he need to go to the other world but let's just simply say that let him rest in peace but all other stuff let's sink in the in, into the future point no, not into the past and i think this was the uh, logic that respect towards the counterparts is not exist anymore. Imagine with this government how many the others would be fleeting and, and not coming. I don't I hope that next government will not do the same. Well we are not here to judge. Yeah, that's why. All right, we'll leave it here today. Uh, thank you, Tevan. Appreciate your joining us. And uh, we know you're in Artsakh, so we're sending you a lot of good, positive energy and say hello to our uh, Artsakh yes, brothers we and are. sisters. Thank you, Tevan. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was our Week in Review show, and we hope it helped you catch up with some of the issues in and around Armenia from this past week. As always, we invite your feedback and your suggestions. You can find us on most social media and podcast platforms or our website groom.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. 
like our pages and follow us on social media. On behalf of everyone in this episode, we wish you a good week. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.